0: Welcome back to the Big Red Hunters podcast. We want to start out by saying thank you so much listeners for taking the time out of your day to listen to this. We also want to say thank you to our sponsors who provide so much support for us. If you manage to kill that dream whitetail buck or maybe that bull sprig, check out Whitetail Classics Taxidermy, owned by Jody Schultz out of Louisville, Nebraska. Basically can put together whatever you can dream up. So check them out at WhitetailClassicsTaxidermy.com or his Facebook And if you want to talk to them today or book something, call them at 402-630-0031.
1: Next up is Spores Wet Basement Solutions. Their services include water damage and crack repairs, landscaping, concrete driveways, grading, and more. Their recommendations provide solutions that are a long-term and not temporary fix. They do it right the first time. If you want additional information, you can check out spores.com or contact them at 402-476-8588.
0: If you're like me and like to drive your wife nuts every season with a new duck or goose call, right, baby? Yep. Pretty much. Call, uh, check out B. Hoover Custom Calls. Brent Hoover out of North Pot, Nebraska is one of the best that comes around. He actually uh, got second at Best of Show at NWTF Nationals. Awesome guy. Personal friend of the family. Actually helped my dad harvest his bull elk. He specializes in wood, duck, and goose calls, turkey pots, dog whistles, and shotgun shell teal whistles. Awesome guy. Check him out at com.
1: If your vehicle gets disgusting like my husband does during hunting season, Beep, <laughs> check out Dirty Devil Detailing. They do interior and exterior detailing as well as headlight restoration and more. They also are certified in Glass glassparency and take anything from vehicles, boats, jet skis, ATVs, and motorcycles. The devil is truly in the detailing. They're located in Omaha, Nebraska, and if you want additional information, check them out on dirtydevildetailing.com.
0: If you're like me and have taken a few L's here this early season and really
1: wow, wow, wow. <laughs> pretty much,
0: <laughs> if you're like me and have taken some L's and you really want that perfect hunt with the buddies and just get out there and enjoy what's going on and not have to worry about anything, check out the other guys' outfitters. They do an incredible job of uh, dry field duck and goose hunts. You can check out their pile picks on Facebook. And if you're wanting to book a hunt today, call Krager at 308 308-
1: If you're needing some professional photography done, check out my business, Faithful Images. Our mission is to faithfully capture images of God's creation in time that will one day serve as a memory. We do anything from infants, couples, families, seniors, weddings, announcements, and more. Check it out at faithfulimages.org or on Instagram and Facebook.
0: If you're ever sitting there during COVID and thought to yourself, I really need to get on that dream hunt. I don't know... (laughs) What what's going to happen in life, but I need to get in that dream hunt. Check out Chaku Peru. He does hunts in the U.S., South America, and Europe. If you've seen some of his pics or videos, if you haven't, jump on his Facebook or Instagram. Has some incredible hunts and does some incredible things. Uh, check him out at ChakuPeru.com for more details.
1: Our last sponsor is Redbeard's Custom Calls. They specialize in acrylic duck and goose calls. Andrew made me one of the a -a one-of-a-kind marble white and hot pink dunk call. It sounds incredible. It looks amazing. If you want more information, check it out on Facebook.
0: All right, guys. Thanks so much. Thanks so much for the support, and let's go ahead and jump in the podcast. Welcome back to the Bigard Hunters podcast today. How we doing? Pretty good. How about yourself? Just living the dream. How you doing, Jeremy? Oh, I, you know it's been a good couple of days actually.
2: That's doing good. pretty good. That's doing good pretty
0: good. And Terrell.
2: Terrell.
3: New job, Terrell.
2: Yep. New job, Terrell. <laughs> We're living.
0: So today we got uh, Jordan from Dakota Films. Uh, so, do you run the, both the social media, like Dakota Film Outdoors, or is it just the podcast?
3: Um, I do everything. Okay. I run the face. Yep, I run the Facebook um, and the Instagram, and then I also am the host of the podcast. Oh
0: man, you got a busy yep. life then.
3: Yep, yep. And then uh, we do have Tyler. Uh, Tyler Klug. He he's kind of he was there when we met – So there were three of us. Like we made it back in nineteen. Like the face of the first Facebook uh, post was back in 19 and he was part of it. And so was another kid named Caden and Caden just got so busy with school and work that he's just like, Hey, I'm, I'm just not doing anything. So like, I'm out. And I said, okay, sounds good. And then Tyler, he, he has his own business. He does tree tree work. He cuts trees down where we live. So he's busy for most of the time um so he doesn't really post a lot either but you know every once in a while tyler will hop on a podcast and we'll sit down it's always fun when he gets on so
0: yeah absolutely and that's that's the thing is i feel like a lot of people don't understand like just the amount of time that goes into content creation and the amount of time that it takes away from your regular life and i think that yeah, it's one of those things where you know I had a situation like that too, and it's like, well, you know, I totally understand. You got stuff going on. It, it is. It's not a bad thing. It's just they're busy, so you get it, right? But, well, and
3: that's <clears throat> that's totally true too. And and I mean, you take the aspect in. Like, I have two, I have two girls, um, and 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 one on the way. I don't know the gender yet, but you know, um, it, it. You say that, and it, it, it's always you know whether you're making the video um, before you make the video, it's it's weeks before the video, whether you're making a post, whether you're doing a podcast, whether you're trying to get a hold of someone, I mean, you're thinking weeks in advance that to try to figure something out. So, I mean, yeah, I I totally understand when you, when you say that.
0: That's a big thing too, is like, I would say like, especially from the podcast side of things, (laughs) trying to like schedule guests and like trying to make, you know, for like, so, you know, Jeremy and I, obviously we co-host the podcast and it's like, trying to run our schedules to make them work and then, you know, skate, say scheduling you, it's like trying to get somebody else's schedule in life into the middle mm-hmm. mix of things. It's,
3: it's, right. it's hard. Well and,
0: <laughs> well, and
3: the one thing too, is like when I first started doing it, so we, we released our first episode back in 20. Um, we had a really, we, we've taken them down. I, I, I say we, but it's, it's me. Um, I've taken them down since then. Cause the, the white noise in the background was terrible uh, quality was good, but you know, I just, I didn't want to hurt anybody's ears to be responsible for hurting someone's ears. So, um, but yeah, that, that was one of the biggest downfalls I had is when someone would cancel on me, like I'd be butthurt and it would make me like not want to do a podcast anymore. And so like, that's one of the things that I had to like really get used to. And now it doesn't bother me. Um, you know, I, I got enough people lined up and ready to do a podcast that if one guy if one guy can't make it, and I, and I don't say can't, I shouldn't say, like, cancel it, because everybody's busy, you know, it makes them sound like they deliberately did it, and they, they don't. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it's difficult to, to get everything aligned.
0: I'm not going to lie, but sometimes fun. I... I feel the same way when I reach out to somebody and they just look at my message and just don't respond. like And
3: don't respond. Yeah. And it's, like, it's
0: like, you could have a list like, Hey, I appreciate the invite, but I'm just not interested in this time. Like something like yeah. something respectful. Yeah.
3: And, and the funny thing is, is it's usually the guys that are like not most like successful because I've had a couple of people, um, like I had, uh, Adam Grimm on, he's a, uh, he's a two time winning waterfowl duck stamp uh competition winner so like you know he's got a lot of a lot of experience and he had no problem getting on and talking with me you know and we we talked for we talked for almost an hour on the podcast and i hung up the phone i and i think we sat there and talked for another three hours (laughs) like it was it was a fun conversation um and then you get guys that are not 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 super successful like that, but they're doing better, you know, than you are. Like not saying you personally, but better than you know the person saying this. You know, yeah. me personally, you know, better than me. Um, and then they don't reply. You know, it's yeah. like I don't know, but I'm, you know,
0: just, I don't I hate mean, anybody. It, and it just depends business, on the people so. too. Yeah, yeah,
3: because
0: I I find that there's some people that just it doesn't matter how big or how little they just. Either don't respond or they don't have any interest, which is fine. But it's one of those things to communicate about. But yeah, I
2: mean, I know like <clears throat> you do a lot of the work in getting people on here, but I've kind of I kind of got to experience that this week trying to get people on. I yeah, mean, I was mes- messaging one guy that I think we'll have on here in the next couple of weeks, luckily. But I I know he's been on a lot of podcasts, so I just worded it it's like, I know you're on a lot of these. So if it's not something you're interested in, feel free to let me know. Yeah. But it, it can be, I can see why it would be tough messaging somebody and then them just not saying anything.
3: Yeah. But. Yeah, and you would think that, you know, you'd get used to it with all the women that don't, you know, leave you on Reddit <laughs> stuff. But um, I swear, it, it, hurts, it hurts worse than that. It It really does.
0: It does. I mean, it's one of those things like. I, I'm i not trying to say any, like, tootin' hornins, but, like, I have a, a a big, you know, Instagram following. It's, like, I reached out to an account that, like, had a third of my following just because I like their product. And I, mm-hmm. I messaged them and I said, hey, I like your product. These are the reasons I like your product. I like your company. You know, would you be interested in coming on and doing a podcast? And just, like, no answer. And it's, like, okay, well, that's the other thing, too, is, like, a someone who – yeah. I, I'm a person that's just not bringing somebody on just to, I mean, I I am to talk to him, but like I genuinely and a lot of times like I I don't know, I invest in the the people that I normally bring on. Like I either stay in contact with them, I like their product, you know, I try to in some ways like try to help them out or like market it. Like that guy's product, I probably would have bought some of his stuff and like I would have invested in to help market that pro, you know, his stuff just because. I have a personal relationship with him, but at that Correct. point he does not answer. It's like, well, I guess I'll just go find somebody else. Then. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and it's, and that's the other thing too. I'm not even as a podcast owner. Like I'm really, I'm not looking for money or discounts. Like I just generally want a relationship with someone, you know, I think
2: that's how you got go it. The- Sorry, go ahead. No, no, you're good. Go ahead. I think that's how you got to run your podcast. Like if you're doing it, If you get into podcasting or really any form of social media, especially in the outdoors world right now, if you're trying to make money off of it, good luck, good (laughs) luck. You just got to, you got to run with it. You got to have fun with it. And if you're not enjoying it, I just don't recommend even doing it.
3: Oh, and and it's so, and I, and I like, I I would agree to that to some extent, but podcasting is a path. Like I love podcasting. So, you know, in grade school, I used to get in trouble for talking all the time. Like Mm. they would move me three, four times a year, you know, and it would never work. Same. Um, (laughs) so, so, and then, and then, you know, I I got to an age, you know, 18, 19 and 20. Um, I started moving houses. I started to explore the country. I started to realize that there's a lot more to life than my little hometown of 15,000 people. Um, so then I, then I wanted to learn, I started to learn and wanted, you know, wanted to learn everything. So with podcasting, um, I can do that. I can talk and I can learn. And so it, it, I agree to some extent that yes, it, it should be a, a, a passion and, and a hobby, but at some point, you know, you, you got to take that leap of faith, you know, and. And dive into it because there could be money there, and there is money there. I mean, you yeah. whether yeah. whether it's not from the podcasting. So you have an Instagram following, like you could you could easily market yourself to where you could be making money off merch. You could be, you know, making money from Instagram because you're you're posting stuff for them. Whether you're posting stuff for companies that are paying you, you know, you're you're doing ads for people. You know, there's a lot of ways to make a a revenue off of podcasting but let's let's say you start podcasting and you know you're sitting there and the idea is like my genius idea to make a million dollars to start a podcast okay no that (laughs) then I agree with you that that's not gonna work but as, as we started our podcast you know we started out as passion outdoors is outdoors is something that we love and and something that we like it, it's family hunting is, is family. It's a tradition to us and that's why we do it. Yeah. Um, and so at, at that point, you know, we're in it for a different reason. We're not in it for the money. So at that point it is acceptable to take that leap of faith and at least try to make some, some revenue out of it. Cause man, who, who would, who would not want to do that? You know,
0: Yeah. Uh, for me, everybody would
3: it just, just traveling.
0: Yeah. I was going to say, I think the thing that you're probably pointing towards is a big thing for me is, why well, I started bigger hunters and especially when I started this podcast on the relationship side of things, like, yeah, I just want, I just like talking to people. And the other part of it is, is like finding relationships with people to go hunting with them. Like, you know, obviously we talked about you coming down to snow goose hunt and we're talking about going up South Dakota, but like, it's just one of those things we sit down and talk to you and you know, we end up going to, to out to South Dakota and hunting with you. That, that's, that's a big thing for me. Right.
3: Uh, well, agree. and, and it's.
0: go ahead. Oh, I just saying, I agree. I mean, the
2: relationships you grow with people is fantastic. I mean, actually, I mean, we've, we've talked about this many times on the podcast, just social media in general. Like, I mean, I know me and Hunter would never be friends if, if it wasn't, wasn't for social media and some of the people I've met through him never would have met. Uh, we've had on this podcast, you know, I won't lie if Andrew from last week ever like tries to get us to go down to Louisiana, I've never in my life wanted to go down there, but after talking to him, I'd go down there. Yeah. 100%. That would be awesome.
3: Yeah. We, we, uh, I took, um, Levi. I don't know if you guys know Levi Gerke. He's got the Goose Gossip, uh, podcast here in, in South Dakota, too. Um, and, and we went to Mississippi. Man, it was probably our freshman year of high school. It was a birthday gift for my stepdad. Uh, and, So my, so the way it happened, my stepdad owns two hunting lodges, uh, pheasant hunting lodges, just about an hour from my hometown. Um, and so they, uh, they, they, they traded hunts. So they, they basically came down from Mississippi to hunt pheasants and, and we went down there to hunt ducks. And, um, yeah, if you ever get the chance to go down South and hunt waterfowl or do any sort of hunting down there, don't pass it up and it was fun um just a little just a little just a little story uh they had what was called a gadwall hole they had about 400 acres of flooded timber and in this hole they'd been hunting for 15 years and they'd shot one mallard in this hole in 15 years they shot one mallard every other duck they pulled out of that hole is gadwall and they have pictures of every they have they had pictures on the wall of every um in 15 years every flock of ducks that they shot out of that was Gadwell. Hmm. So don't pass it up ever. Um, I've never been to Louisiana, but I can. I would say that it's probably about the same, except for alligators. Well, I
0: think they got alligators in Mississippi. That's what I, I said. And so there was some. It's usually early season.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've been hearing reports of alligators in early season being in Arkansas at this point. Really? Yeah. Right. South Arkansas,
0: but hmm. they're moving. North. So tell us about these pheasant lodges. Yeah. Yeah. We you got we got there and I'm like, mm, You should have seen hunter. So face. like I, I'm a like I would say first and foremost I'm a waterfowl hunter. Second I would say I'm mm-hmm. up hunter and then third like maybe big game. But like so tell us about these pheasant lodges. Um we
3: uh we we well I shouldn't say we. Uh, I used to so I used to work full time, uh where we moved houses it was, I was a senior in high school, graduated, started moving houses with my stepdad. And uh, during the summer, we'd move houses. And then during the winter, the three months from, because we own a preserve. It's a, well, he owns a preserve. I don't know why I keep saying we, but he owns a preserve. Um, it's basically, you can start hunting early September, and you can go basically to March hunting pheasants, which we don't. That's just what we're allowed to do, and we usually go from uh, October to or about the fourth weekend in September, the last weekend in September to about early December is when we is, is about the span that they go. Um, I used to work out there full time. It's it's a it's a hell of a show. We every every year we farm it so that we have pheasants. Uh, since we're a preserve, it's, it's state regulated that we put birds out, um, but we do that in the springtime. So we do put hens and roosters out. Uh, but it's, again, it's the law of the game fishing parks here because we're a preserve. Because we get those extra months to hunt and we're taking them out of a, a certain time of their life because in those times they're either laying or just laid or getting ready to, and there's not an food source so you're going to be you know wiping out quite a bit of them so you got to replenish what you what you shoot and so it's every two to one uh so during the spring we do that that's a it's a pretty fun and wild time um but by the but by the time you know by by the time you get to the hunting season it they're they're most i shouldn't say most birds on our property are wild birds um, but there are a few released ones just because of that, of that regulation that we have. Um, but by the time, I mean, you, you, you come hunting out there and, and I, you know, tell me a fake one between a fake one and a real one. And, and I could not even tell, and I'm around them, you know, all the time. So, mm-hmm. you know, and, and it's a lot of people try to hide it. Um, I'm not, I'm, I'm not a hider. I don't, I, I don't think it's that wrong. Um, especially if it's the law, you know, now if, if it wasn't the law for us and we were just stalking our, our fields and then trying to pass them off as real birds, you know, we, we went through 3,500 real wild birds. Like nobody in their mind, you see any, any guide service that says that they went through that many wild birds, they're bullshit.
0: Yeah. Yeah. 110%.
3: And I, and, and I will, I will argue, I, I've been in the production. Um, my mom and my stepdad met when I was eight years old. So I'm, I'm 24 now So I've been in, in the hunting biz, the, the guide service business. I, I haven't guided for that long. I've been guiding full. I, I got it full time for four years and I've been doing it part time for about three now. So, um, I've been around it and I do and argue with anybody. If you can show me real statistics that you shot 3,500 real wild birds in any state, I'll give you a thousand dollars. Cause that's, that's, that's unreal.
0: Yeah, that's the, I don't know, that's the struggle with hunting clubs around here. And I, I, my thing with, like, uh, pheasant hunting in general does, like, hunt clubs is it, it's like, it, it, you know, it is what it is. I think the thing that I struggle with that I, I like about certain clubs is, like, there's a natural habitat, natural, like, population of birds there to hunt. I'm just not huge on the, like, putting them in a crate and then just, like, shaking them up and putting them like Mm -hmm. 50 yards out where you're going to hunt them. I'm just not right. Or the European hunts. I'm It's fine, but I'm not a fan. There's a lot of places too, where they'll, uh, they'll
3: just have one, like strip of corn, like four or five rows of of corn. Yeah. And you literally pay for your three birds and you walk into that strip of corn and your three buds, your three birds flush. If you shoot all three of them, good for you. You shot all three of them. Let's say you shoot two. Well, and you miss the third one. Well, you you're still paying for three birds. Yeah, because that's your hunt, and that's that's not how we run it. Our, I mean, we have we have buses. Um, I can send you guys pictures. We have we have a uh, fifty-two hundred acres of land. Um, well, my my stepdad does. It, it, it actually it's about forty-six hundred, um, and it's farmed specifically for bird hunting. Every every field. Um, every year is a different field. Sometimes we have the same in the, in in there, um, corn, milo, uh, switchgrass, basically anything you can hunt. We got a lot of trees, um, evergreens with Russian olives. They love those, and they're thick too. Um, a guy would not want to walk in there. Uh, we do have one tree belt um, that dogs. Uh, we have some of the, some of the best hunt dogs in South Dakota, and they they don't want anything to do with anything to do with, uh, with that shit. So, with
0: that stuff. My big question to you, my big question is, do you have fence rows? Because my dog, (laughs) 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 my, my dog and barbed wire does not go together.
3: (laughs) So, so, um, yes and no. Now around the whole property, yes, we have barbed wire fence. Um, but as we switch from field to field, we have all of our land um, is connected to where we, when we got the land or when Doug got the land, uh, he pulled he pulled all the fencing out. And I actually helped with that. So I can't say we on that because um, there was some fencing down the bottom that we went out and ripped out with the, with the skid steer. So,
0: yeah, no, yes and no, I guess. It's not a big deal. I just, my dog she is she loves running into pheasant or fences she chased a she used to I was uh I should back up I was in a hunt club taking so I, I have work clients and a part of my job is once in a while I take some customers out to build relationships and that kind of stuff well we they wanted to go pheasant hunting so my dog had pointed this hen out and would flushed it and I just totally whiffed and she just kept chasing it and just ran right into the fence and it after uh a good old butt ripping by my wife. You. Love you, honey. <laughs> After a butt ripping from my wife, got her all stitched up, and she's okay now. But it's so, yeah. And
3: was and that is that the same dog with? Because didn't she swallow a or a cornstalk? Because I, I listened to your podcast. Um, There's a whole about, list of things with Nora. about <laughs> about dog insurance.
0: Yeah. So let's watch. The, the times that she been hurt as she I mean as a puppy she swallowed a huge bone that we had to get out she punctured the top of her head or top of her mouth up to her eyeball that was a, a steak from a snow goose decoy um, okay let's see she ran into a this this, this is just this year she tr- she ran into uh, a tree or a piece of tree that had been eaten off by a beaver and it basically like I don't know, like stabbed stab, her. Stabbed her. Uh, she ran into a fence. What else did she do? She's got her... I um, can't think of what it's called. I don't either. But, yeah, she, she's she been to the vet like teen amount of times. She is a very... Yeah, she she likes hurting herself. Let's just say that. She likes hurting herself. And the pro, the problem for her is like she her drive when she sees like a live bird is like 10 and so it doesn't matter what's standing between her and that bird like she's gonna get to it kind of deal right so it's a it's a blessing and a curse
3: and and i uh i so i've i don't know if you've ever read the book um how to train your retriever by gosh i can't think of his name now um shoot but uh in that book he says that one of the best traits that you can look for in a, in a labrador and, and in a dog is the ability to be dumb, be stubborn but also want to please the owner and so i i have an eight month old puppy and i don't know if you see this in your dog but i sure do see it in Zeus. and after i read this book i definitely started to pick up on these things um He he basically says that your dog can do something wrong. You discipline it, and then thirty seconds later, it's right by your feet, ready to rock and roll again. It's it's wanting to play fetch, even though you know, even though it just got caught in the garbage, and you, you you know you spanked it, you spanked it, and he knows that you know Zeus knows that he did what was he knows what he did was wrong, but then I turn around and then boom, it's like he forgot about it. Hey dad, let's go play fetch. We'll play hey Dan what are we gonna do now you know yeah so I don't know if you see that in your dog but but I definitely see it in juice and it's it's just kind of cool I don't know if you read, read ever read that book um, but I'll send you a link to it too when we get done with this and, and have you check it out because even if you're gonna train your retriever or not um, ever it's, it's definitely a good read for for
0: someone yeah James I...
3: lamp James lamb Hmm. How to Train Your Retriever by James
0: I'm going to send that to me. I'm that's curious. That's his name. Um. Yeah. I, I. would say every every dog is a little bit different. Mine. Mine was really curious off the beginning because she's like uh, Nala has a drive. Like like I said, that's just crazy. But just like, and when you're down, sometime we go hunt or whatever. Like, she's really sweethearted. Like, she's one of the sweetest dogs to ever meet. And oh, yeah. so, like, if I get on her, like, really hard, she, like, it you gets to the point where she just kind of rolls over and she just doesn't want to do anything because she's, like, do anything. she doesn't know yep. what exactly I want, and so she just kind of rolls over and it's just kind of done. And, like, I struggled yeah. with that a little bit because I grew up with some, like, hard-headed labs that just were, like, like, what you talked about, like, you can you can really get after them in the moment later, like they're ready to go get a bumper again. So that was kind of a learning experience for me. But now that I've, I've learned to what effect that I can discipline her and see, she's still going to be, you know, wanting to, to, you know, do her thing. I think it definitely became a much stronger relationship, but what, uh, yep. you, you said that Zeus is a, a lab. Yep. Yo. Gotcha. Uh, gotcha. Yep. There you go. Jeremy over here wants a, a chocolate. Yeah. Someday. We talked about that today. So Jeremy's working on buying a house. Are you Jeremy, are you gonna are you gonna buy it after you get
2: So I have to I don't have a closed in yard. That's the first step. I gotta get um okay. some fences put together. And don't whatnot. don't go wood. Oh no, His
3: price prices are way too high. Yeah,
2: you couldn't
3: I'd, no,
2: it just wouldn't happen. I uh, yeah. I'm in construction, so I see that every day. People are complaining about wood constantly. So. Um but actually it's funny when we were watching the Super Bowl the other night, Trail sent me a link to puppies. Mm. And I was like, yeah. I mean, I gotta I gotta I gotta put that fence in first. I want one. I'm gonna get one. I just
0: Flylander kennels, baby. Flylander kennels. Yeah. <laughs> He's thinking about it. But uh, back to back to you a little bit. You said that you're you're friends with Levi Gurecki? Yeah, Gerkey. Gerkey. I I have yeah. never I have not personally connected with them. I've seen him his stuff pop up here and there, and I saw that he went out and hunted with a buddy of our mats at other guys' outfitters. Um, so yeah. I've always been interested in maybe connecting with him at some point. But yeah, he, he's
3: definitely a he's definitely a cool guy. Uh, he came on the DFO podcast, and then. Uh, about a week and a half later, two weeks later, he messaged me and he's like, Hey man, like, I don't want to step on anybody's toes. Uh, do you care if I start my own podcast? Like that was fun. And I was like, no, but like, why would I ever, you know, why would I ever care if someone else did it? And he went hard at it and he's, he's killing it now. Um, he just got a sponsorship with uh moat gear, um, like moat calls. Uh, okay. and then he also picked up a sponsorship with, uh, Dakota decoys too mm. so I mean yeah he's killing it he's 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 playing all the right cards and yeah it's it's cool just it's it's cool knowing you know that I grew up with him. um I wouldn't I wouldn't say we're the best of friends you know we're we're colleagues but you know
0: yeah absolutely yeah. that's a funny definitely, part it's, is definitely, like,
3: de- yeah.
0: it's funny how that definitely. works because uh we actually were talking about it so I the reason why I started the Bigger Hunters podcast is because I, I started listening a couple of years ago to the the Fowl Front uh, Waterfowl podcast of the Ben, and actually I've I've gotten to know him, and you know it's I went on his and I was like you know what like I just I enjoy this I like talking to people I like getting to know people and then it it just ended up rolling out that. I started doing this and then Jeremy wanted to do a yeah, podcast. I've like, always wanted to do it. And then Hunter had me on. I was like, you want to pot,
2: you want to co-host? Like <laughs> well, it was one of those
0: things where you like came on once just to like start it. Yeah. And then it was like, Oh, like Shay, my wife and I were kind of, she, I knew that she was like kind of going to be a co-host, but then I knew like, I just kind of knew that I was going to need somebody else to do like yeah. hunting related. And it just, it works out. Like it, it's funny how that stuff works out, but oh well. not but, uh, yeah. let's, uh, let's, yeah. let's change gears. I'm curious. Cause like, I love South Dakota pheasant hunting, but what, tell me about what, uh, South Dakota waterfowl is like.
3: So, um, it's actually a good, a good topic. So waterfowl hunting in South Dakota is, is different. Uh, it's, I, so I'm, I also write on Substack. I do, I've, I've, I've published five articles now on on Substack, uh, and one of them was hunting in the badlands and there's there's a lot of, a lot of crazy and this is archery um but it's I, it's going to tie into the waterfowl um hunting in, in the badlands archery hunting in the badlands is a whole different t- scenario uh i've never hunted in the black hills but i've done the total archery challenge out there and it's a uh, it's an absolute amazing course and it's crazy terrain I've been to the Montana, I've seen, you know, the mountains in Montana. I've never hunted Montana, never hunted Idaho. I've, uh, ice fished there at Lake Cascade. So I've seen the mountains there. Um, and it's crazy terrain too. And, and all those places are beautiful, but hunting in the Badlands, I've archery hunted in the Badlands. That has a different, a different category that deserves its own category. And I think that's the way, um, South Dakota hunting is. And, and I, I hate tying North Dakota into it too. Um, cause I hate when people get North Dakota and South Dakota mixed up or they combine them like, Oh, you're from the Dakotas. Like, no, I'm from <laughs> South Dakota. There's South Dakota and there's North Dakota. Um, but that's a, you know, that's a different time for, that's a different story. Um, but it, it, you, you have, you have like Mississippi hunting, like, Oh you had flooded timber hunting. Uh, you have like South Dakota hunting for waterfowl. Now, where are lot where the, where the lodge is placed? Um, it's actually in the about the most almost the most southern region of the Prairie Potholes. Um, it's a uh, it's bordered on Wall Lake in South Dakota, and Wall Lake is actually a, a refuge. It's a national bird refuge, so you can't hunt on it at all. There's, I, I believe, and I in. in and I don't know if for sure, but there was there was one piece of public ground way out in the middle of the water, but you couldn't get to it because uh, it was completely surrounded by private land. And there was not a one person there that would let you go out there. Um, there's deer that are almost 180, 190 inch classes that sit out there. Um, I mean, there's there's waterfowl. I can send you videos. We've probably seen almost. Five hundred thousand to, and I don't want to say a million because a million probably is a large number. But I bet we've I bet we see on a good year probably five hundred thousand ducks, um, and probably three hundred thousand to four hundred thousand geese um, come through there on a good year. It's it's not a very deep lake, so on a on a dry year or a dry summer, it dries up. About three years ago, it was dry and we didn't have one duck uh, fly through that lake. Now. Uh, I do have, uh, another spot that I like to hunt up there and I'll, and, and if you guys ever come up, we'll definitely go there because it's a, it's a, it's a home to me there and I know it like the back of my hand, but it's uh it's completely public. I've hunted for almost eight years now, consecutively, almost every time I can go out, if I'm not going out with friends to a different spot, this is the spot I'm going to. And I've seen one other person hunt it in eight years. I've seen one other person hunt there. And waterfowl hunt waterfowl. People uh, deer hunt and people pheasant hunt it quite often, but only one other person waterfowl hunts there. Um, and so that produces quite a lot of ducks too. I've probably seen the most there twenty thousand. Um, but yeah, you, you get to where we're at, and it's mostly field hunting. You get north, you know, up closer to the North Dakota border. You're going to be hunting water. They have a lot of field hunting up there too. And that's what I really like about, um, about South Dakota is you want to go, like, let's say, um, you want to go hunt water in the morning and you want to go hunt a field at night. You're, you're able to do that. And, uh, there's not a lot of places like you get down South and like where like Mississippi, Louisiana, you know, down in that area, they don't do a lot of field hunting and, and when they do it it's a little bit different you know you're in a you're in a there, there's nothing better than watching a stack of mallards come in in the cornfield and and knowing that they're coming for you i, I don't know and and i'm I, I guess i don't know i've hunted mississippi so i'm kind of comparing it to that and they they both are duck hunting 100 percent. but man they are way different styles they are two different completely styles and the tactics that you use down in Mississippi do not apply what you would use here. And, and yeah, I think you could probably tie Nebraska into with us. Cause you guys do a lot of field and, 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 and water hunting. Don't you guys? Cause
0: yeah, cause I would, I would there. say to be honest with you, I think it's similar in some aspects, but I think it's a lot different. I would say, I've never done a field hunt
2: for ducks in Nebraska. I mean, you I, haven't? I I know people who do, I mean, me and Hunter live on the east side of the state, and the east side of the state, the struggle for ducks really it, and has that's
3: been. Link, Lincoln, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah, that's from my. I got a cousin that's from Lincoln. He does quite a bit. Of, he does some field hunting over there.
0: Yeah. So we like depends on depends on your dog. We're talking like ducks or geese. Geese, we field hunt exclusively. Mm-hmm. Duck hunting. It's just it's one of those things. It's it's a catch twenty two because it's all about timing. If they get, if they get here early enough, do we kill some? Yes. Like I, I took Jeremy out for a hunt. We killed some and there's sometimes it, it works. It just, it, the best time we get field hunting around here on the Eastern side of the state is like, say like late December, early January when we get like a really nice snow. Mm-hmm. The problem is, is that a lot of those ducks, at least in the area that we hunt is that they don't, they either get up and they field hop if they get up earlier than the geese. But most of the ducks we get are just either random packs, like like ducks with the geese, or they come out after the geese, and they just get there right before shooting time ends. It's just really odd. Now, I've hunted out in, like, western Nebraska, and, like, I've, I've exclusively, like, duck hunted fields out there, and it definitely works. It just, it's very, I don't know, it's a lot different. But, like, my experience with nebraska and being in south dakota i've never waterfowl hunted in south dakota but like i've, I've pheasant hunted like three or four years and like okay. the thing that i love most about south dakota is the fact that you guys have so like uh, this year is probably different because it's dry but like you know a couple of years ago and you guys had all that water there's like every little pothole there's like a little pond and it was just Damn. that i love that and and
3: and and I agree to some aspect, and you're not. And I'm I'm going to use the term out of stater. Um, don't mean any disrespect from it.
0: Oh, you're hey. Uh, um, I, I, yeah, I get you.
3: But uh, another another out of stater. I was, I was talking to another out of stater uh, on a, I think on a podcast. I think that was one of my podcasts or, um, yeah, I don't remember. I guess. But we, we were talking, and he said the same thing. You know, I, I he and he'd been duck hunting here. You know, we went duck hunting. There was tons of water. It was awesome. There's ducks everywhere. You know, hallelujah. And and 100, I agree. But at, at one point in that year, there was so much sheet water that that's all the ducks would do. They if you were hunting water, that's you know they you would shoot a flock, and they would go completely to a different area. Yeah. And so I think at at some point you got too much water. Yeah. But on the same spectrum, you can have too less, you know, too not enough
0: water. Yeah. And that's, that's kind of what we deal with this year. Well, we've been dealing with
2: it for the last couple of years. And even that year, a few years back where it was super, super wet, because we got hit by that too. Just like, I probably wouldn't say quite as bad as South Dakota, but. Down here, at least on the east side of the state, our wa- our marshes and our water sources are so spread out, and like every farmer has created just drains to specific areas that we don't have just that like constant sheet water anymore. Or around right. here, in my opinion, we get that just super full marshes. Yeah, from everything draining in it, and so that like, cool. twenty twenty eighteen was that the wet year? Yeah. I mean we had a f- fantastic year because honestly there was a lot of water but the water's so spread out that the birds just sat in when they found an area with water they sat there and they didn't it's not like they could just go find more water easily. No. I don't know if that makes well, sense. Well, here a couple here here's a couple things.
0: Oh. I read an uh, there was a fact that came up in Nebraska Game of Parks and they said the like the public area that we hunt is called the basin and of that they call it the playa which is basically the water is that they've irrigated so much out of that playa that only 10 percent of the actual plot the playa even exists anymore Mm -hmm. and so it like old guys like 30 40 years ago used to talk about in order to get marshes out there they needed boats because it was that deep well even on a you know on a wet year there's a couple marshes that you might get in deep spots but like you really don't get that that much so like on a wet year down here is kind of like a medium, a medium, you know, uh, water year for you guys. Mm-hmm. All right, all right.
3: So, how how far are you guys from York? I don't mean to change subjects, but how far are you guys from York, Nebraska?
0: Uh, so like Interstate forty-five minutes to actually get where you need to go to get to like Waterfowl Marsh is probably hour, hour and a half. Yeah. Okay. So,
3: like, and yeah, we used and we used to haul houses through there. Um, and so that's why I was just kind of curious. I'm, I'm aware of that area. And, uh, I've been to Lincoln a few times. My, my cousin, uh, trying to think of his name now, Dave. Yeah. David. Yeah. So my cousin Dave lives down there. He's the one that waterfowl hunts quite a bit. Um, and then my my other cousin, so David's my second cousin. Josh, he's my first cousin. He's my he's my dad he's my dad's brother's kid. Um, he goes to school at the University of Lincoln. He's going to pre a er, He's going to get PhD, so med school. Um, so I'm a little familiar with that area, but I'm just trying to figure out where where everything was at. So I like I like to picture it in my head.
0: Yeah, and that's the thing is like uh, I would say considerably like the way you guys hunt would be. You know, you try to find them on big water and then maybe try to find them, get into little water somewhere, somewhere in between, and the big thing is we don't, like, we don't have a lot of big water, and most of the ducks that actually do stage, they're stage in the marshes or stage on the rivers, and it's just one of those things where, like, they're, they stage on those rivers and then they're hunted so hard that they just don't, they're hard to hunt on the river, or two, they don't get here in time, or three, well, to be honest with you, like access down here on the plat is uh, just
2: disgusting.
0: Like if you talk to anybody, good luck. You know, it's yeah. just kind of one of those things. If you don't got cash to throw you down, it's got, be if you hard. don't got,
2: if you do not have cash, or you do not have family and friends that have ends, how, mu- how
0: much? How ca-
3: much How much cash though? Like if you were to go, to like the average guy, how much cash do they want for you on there?
0: for a good plat, plat spot? Yeah, three to six. Yeah, I was three to say. six thousand at least
3: for for the day. No, oh, no, 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 for, for the
0: year. For the season. Oh,
3: for the year?
0: Yeah. But that's the thing oh. is the the hunting year, if you're going to be realistic about what you can hunt on the plat, it's going to be like most of our early birds, they stick to the marshes in like September, early October to mid to late October. Might so realis- it, realistically, but- you're probably not going to hunt more than November and like early to mid- mid-December, depending on the year.
3: Right, right. So now like- is the, is is nebraska's licensing is that a draw or is, can like an outstater just come buy one
2: oh you can oh, come yeah. Yeah. I like, yeah i that is something I just, that i can
3: just buy one like yeah. i could yeah like, it, it was a season right now when we're talking on the yeah. podcast i could buy a license while we're talking and be there tomorrow
2: yeah, yeah. i mean okay that is something that honestly i mean
3: well you you <laughs> find some good flats that we can pay three hundred dollars to hunt for the year oh. whether we hunt just the month of december or we hunt December and January. I will come up with half of that, and we will oh, go hunt. The
0: I'm talking three grand. Yeah, sorry. three, <laughs> oh, three to six grand. Oh, okay.
3: I was <laughs> yeah. Say, yeah, if it was
0: 300 bucks, okay. Yeah. I mean, I yeah. oh my say, goodness,
3: that's I would why have... I asked for the day. Okay, yeah, if, it makes I, a little more sense. Now. If I
2: could get a lease yeah. for 300 on a plot, I'd probably I, have five or six of them a year.
3: Yeah, that's what. Okay, so now we're on the same page. That's why I asked for the day. I was like 300 dollars for the day. Like that seems about right. And then you were like, no, for the year. It's like, okay, that's a steal. Like yeah okay but no now yeah i'm an idiot yeah and that's a
0: that's a big thing is if i had a consistent spot where i can hunt like you know maybe a few teals showed up and like then we can hunt big ducks on it for say like six to eight weeks would i would i throw down three grand and like dig in a pit and do that stuff absolutely and that's why a lot of guys go out to western nebraska and do it because there is a consistent amount of birds where you can like actually make it worth your while but Eastern Nebraska is so hit or miss, and depending on the year, that it's just not worth it. You're hitting it on the head.
2: If I was going to do something sure. like that, I would go to Western Nebraska. I mean, I really would, and not yeah. to just blow out all Same. those guys out there. But, like, we've been struggling on the east side the last couple of years. And, like, uh,
3: I – So, I do you guys follow Delta, Waterfowl, and uh, Ducks Unlimited? I'm yeah. sure you guys do. But
0: uh-huh.
3: I got it. So, they've done a lot of research – about the the flyways have you guys ever looked into that
0: yeah and it hurts so they, my soul every yeah. time i see them skip yeah so
3: Eastern they they're grass. saying and i and i don't and i don't and, and i don't remember if it's going to the east or going to the west so but i think it's shifting oh go ahead but i, I care i think it's shifting to the east do you or shifting uh, to the west?
2: do you follow an account called osborne labs I don't. You should check them out sometime. Me and Hunter both follow that account, and they okay. they do a lot of banding and they do transmitters on ducks um, down in Arkansas, and I mean most of their ducks end up in Canada. So it's they put out a picture in October. Yeah. No, maybe it was November because all the early birds were already gone. Um, they put out a picture, and all their transmitted ducks came right down to, from right Canada, right through <laughs> central north dakota started to shift east and south dakota hit the iowa nebraska line into iowa east and continued south i mean they literally like it's crazy the amount of birds that they hit the missouri and then they just missouri yeah no
3: yeah
0: missouri they're gone well here's the thing is like nebraska i've always said this about nebraska it is it's feast or famine mm -hmm. like either you have a great year because you have a lot of water birds, like, like we said, usually they're pretty compact because there's so little like water sources that when we do have water, they're usually compacted on those water sources. So like you have a lot of good hunts. Mm-hmm. Um, but when it's, when it's famine, it, it is what it is. And that's the thing we talked about on the podcast quite a bit is um, trying to uh, it, Travel. Basically, we're, we're coming down to travel because it seems to be South Dakota, you guys have enough reservoirs to hold birds even if you have a dry year, and that's just natural. Now, when they come and they hit Iowa or Nebraska, it always is a hit or miss depending on if Iowa has water or if Nebraska has water or if Kansas has water. So it's really like a tracking of water sources. And the big thing about Iowa is they always have – pretty consistent water in western iowa because they have a lot of like small interstate like pothole lakes that are like right along that area and so like if you know we have a dry year there's usually at least some water along the the missouri and they just skip ponds and they just keep going south
3: and that's the one reason why i like um where i hunt and where in in where i would take you guys too if you guys ever came down because I can hunt it in the you know the opening weekend of September, and I can shoot my limited teal and gad and gadwall, and then you know come October when it starts to get colder, you know the greenheads will show up, and the pintail, and so throughout October and November we're shooting, you know, not fully plumed you know big ducks, but come December my whole my whole, the hole that I hunt is still open. Um, and so I can hunt ducks there on the water all the way till September, or all the way till December, excuse me. And then even then, if that water freezes up and the other lake doesn't, then we can just swap to field hunting because we get, you know, we have all the gear to do that. And so I just, I think it'd be an absolute blast for you guys to come down and just experience it. Um, but that's another reason why, we're we so good at things. Um, I think our, our South Dakota Game Face and Parks does a fantastic job with everything that they do. But I just wish, and, and again, there's probably some science behind it. And I haven't looked too deeply into it. But I just wish that our waterfowl system wasn't necessarily a draw. Because ours is a, like a lottery type thing.
0: Yeah, I think Man. I think it's a blessing and a curse because does it suck? Because if you get guys like me that want to come up there and hunt with you, and you know you miss out on that, yes, does that suck? Absolutely. But I think that in some ways is a blessing because it also cuts down on you know you take a look at yeah. you take a look at like North Dakota this year mm-hmm. because Canada was shut off in the last couple of years, like they got absolutely demolished with the amount of out of the state hunters that ended up probably in a lot of ways, ruining hunting opportunities for locals because they tore up fields. Mm-hmm. And I think that's right. a similar circ- circumstance for you.
3: Well, and, but, and, but the thing that separates North Dakota and South Dakota, now I don't know if this is still a law in North Dakota, but as long as the field's not posted, no right. hunting,
2: it's still you law. can
3: hunt it.
0: That's, yeah, that's still that? how it
2: goes in North Dakota. It, it, it's it, done, it's done in,
0: that, but it's kind of changed because now you have to do a check-in system with your phone.
3: Okay, to check the field or whatever, check into yep. that field. Okay. And in South Dakota, that's, that's not the case. In yep. South Dakota, uh, you cross the fence It's trespassing. Um, and so I think, again, I think that would, you know, it, I think having one or the other would be okay. I think it would sustain itself. Or now, like if they have an opening, you know, I don't know. I've never hunted waterfowl in North Dakota. Um, I would love to, but um, are they are they a draw, or can you just anybody go on up there? No,
2: North Dakota open. Um, oh, so I'm pretty sure home? I'm pretty sure they're similar to South Dakota in the fact as a non-resident. I think you had to pick like. I think you can hunt 10 days total the year and you have to pick okay. slots essentially.
0: The last I heard the rumor and I don't know how true this is but they were talking about making it a lottery system to cut the amount of out of state hunters.
2: Honestly, I know I know like I, I agree with you from our position. Um it sucks that like we can't just pick up and go to South Dakota. I would have killed to be able to pick up and go to South Dakota this last season. I would have done it. I would have done it, oh. like, hands down. Like, I, I think, but,
3: I wish they could implement something to where, if you were checking in with someone, like, say I'm a resident, yeah, so you'd go into yeah. Game Fishing Parks and be like, okay, I'm going to check in with Jordan Leaker. I'm hunting with him from this day to this day.
0: Yeah.
3: Okay, boom, they'll give you a license, right? And, and they'll, then they'll somehow verify it with me that you guys are coming with me.
0: That's, and, and uh, I,
3: yeah, yeah. But then I, but then I, you also think I think about it, and and then you could have guys that are just plugging names. You know, my buddy. You know, let's say John Doe. Hit, hey, put my name in there. So I'm going hunt with John Doe to get a license. But John Doe is down in Florida. You know, on vacation. When I go up, yeah. he's not there. Type of deal. So if there's a way, like to confirm it, that was you know that, I don't know. I don't know. I'm getting
0: in over my head. No, That's a good idea. I mean, it. I like the idea. I think that it'd be hard to enforce, but at the same time, if you had it sided up on your license, that you have to be with that person while you're hunting. Yeah. It's like, hey, if I'm not with you and I'm out hunting and I, you know, I get, you know, checked Check. by green jeans and you're not with me, then boom, I get a fine. It. Right. Yeah. I'm sure, I'm sure people would, there's always people that are going to try to get around it, but still, it's just, well, that's, that, a, that's, that's a, that's kind thing. Oh, go ahead.
3: No, go ahead. You're up.
0: Uh, I I guess from my point of view, I think some of the things that we struggle with down here is that birds like to stage in South Dakota, which it's it's fine. I think, and I, I won't, My only question about that is, I wonder if it's a lack of pressure. I've always wondered that. Yeah,
3: I don't. I I, I don't know. Cause it there's lots of birds in here. That's where our our, our governor is, and um they there's birds that stay there all year and if they so in pierce it's called the ottawa no i'm trying to think of what it's called they have public pits there so we tried to hunt them this year we, we went out there me and four guys went out there and hunted them in december on a late season goose hunt and and as soon as those pits open in in early January late December they get hunted so they basically what happens is you get in the morning you, you wake up go there at four or five they do a drawing you each get a card you pick a field they have all the fields you know labeled so you pick one and then what they'll do is it's basically like a, a bingo they'll throw your name into a big ball. Basically, they do it online, so it's like a an automatic organizer, and then it'll just randomly put the numbers in a an order, and then they'll just go down, and that's you know you get to pick your field, and if it if uh, if you don't get your field, you obviously got to pick another one. Um, where we lacked and, and where I think we kind of fell short is we didn't we didn't scout. Um, we just were we're scouting off Facebook. And I have a very bad habit of doing that, um, and and I'm not saying that I suck at hunting because I do I, I do my my scouting um, I do spend time in the truck and with binoculars and and all of that stuff, um, but this was just one of those times where we wanted to get on a, on a hunt and we were itching for you know a hunt and, but no they they get hunted every day as soon as they're open, um, so I don't think lack of pressure has anything to do with it because i think those birds for the most part they stay here all year round and they get hunted from the moment those pits open to the moment that they close and then even then you still have people private you know private land hunting them and there's pressure there too so i mean you got pressure all around so i maybe but maybe not maybe it's just i don't know i guess Maybe I think it's a lot, but it's not enough for them. I I don't
0: know. I see where you're coming from. We got an area out here that's got a refuge in western Nebraska. that There's, I don't know, ridiculous amount of birds that stage into it and mm-hmm. stay there. And they do get hunted all the time. And I see them. There was one time I was, I was goose hunting out there. And, like, sun went down. We are walking out and heading back to the pickup. And I just look up, and there's, like, umpteen thousand mallards that are just, like, Coming off the refuge to go somewhere to go feed, and it's just like, <sighs> well, even son when, of we were,
2: when we were there this year, and that was opening weekend, yeah. And we were as we were walking back to the truck, ducks just appeared. I mean, I saw one of the biggest balls of green wing teal I've ever seen in my life. That was 150 green winged teal on one ball. Yeah. I mean, there were birds everywhere
0: after shooting light, of course. But so I. And I've talked about this on the podcast with other people too, and we even said this with the guy from Louisiana. I think, I think the South Dakota weather now is like Nebraska weather used to be, and like the birds, you know, ducks don't necessarily push out of you guys until, it. I would say, what when do you usually lose most of your ducks, other than your late season mallards? Probably like late November, early December, probably.
3: Yeah, yeah, I would, I would agree with that.
0: That's. That's- See when it's my, pretty cool. my dad used to be a kid, he, he used to swear by the fact that we lost all of our ducks at Thanksgiving, and then we'd lose all our geese at at Christmas time. So I mean, it I, I don't think you guys will lose your geese, cause to be honest with you, it seems like we get less and less honkers each year. Maybe uh, it's just because this year was really warm, but man, we had so many lessers this year compared to whenever I've had uh, I've ever hunted. I think that's the most lessers I've ever seen, and like. You guys can somebody else can have them. I don't like them. They <laughs> suck. And need to go somewhere else.
3: so I uh, I really never did a whole. So I, I'm a huge duck hunter. Um, that's 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 my my passion. Whether it's whether it's water, or field, it doesn't matter. If it's green or a teal or if it's a gadwall, they're all my they're all my favorite. Um, and I never really got into goose hunting. And then we went to the, the pits, and I have goose decoys and, and I don't have, a, I don't have a lot. I know I don't, and I don't have a lot of duck decoys either. I have two dozen floaters and I still kill a little bit of ducks every time. And, and I have a mojo and that's, that's all I use. Um, nice. And I'm, I'm next, uh, next week or it's probably it's going to happen within the next week. Um, I'm buying five dozen of those V2 dive bombs, uh, the silhouettes. And then, um, I'm, I'm going to get a camera too, cause I'm going to start, I'm going to start doing better thumbnails for, for the, the, uh, podcast and for the Instagram. And I think the ROI on that would be, uh, a little bit better. So, um, but I'm going to get into goose hunting because we went to the pits and, be honest we we didn't have that we didn't have enough decoys that's where that's another thing we fell short on uh we had i have three dozen two dozen shells and six big that i got from my grandpa when i was 17 so like they 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 worked when i was 17 and i killed some i killed some ducks and geese over them um but nothing competitive and so then we went on a hunt with I don't know if you guys know Endless Outdoors. Um, Tyrell. And, uh, yeah, Tyrell. Tyrell Thompson. Um, Good name. He, what's that? Good name. <laughs> is that is that you? That's, no. It's no.
2: my name, but oh. it's not me.
3: No. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. I was going to say, because I, I thought you're... Okay. Yeah, because you said Tyrell. And, okay. Um, but, so yeah, he owns Endless, and we went up by uh, just... 10, it's it's about an hour and ten minutes from me. And uh man it was it was a hell of a hunt. We again it was a late season hunt and I don't know if you guys know that feeling where you get out there at noon and the birds don't fly until five and you have about thirty six minutes of non stop shooting and then everything decides to start working right at the last you know, the last few flocks. So we did we did good. We ended up killing eighteen birds but you know, during that struggle of not being able, we, we killed one goose when we went to the pit, so we didn't come home empty-handed. But I'm I'm a very competitive person, and I hate losing. And I took a L, and I want to take a dub. So I'm 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 going to build the spread up, and next year, late season, uh, I'm going to work my my butt off this summer at work, put in a bunch of overtime, and we're going to make that spread golden because we're going to go hunt those pits. It's, it's going to be fun. And you, you need, people say that you need at least 10 dozen to hunt them. I don't know. I guess I haven't, this is the first year I ever hunted them. So I, I guess I don't know for sure, but that's a lot of decoys.
0: I, so like, you know, like our late season, late season hunts, it depends on like what you're, what you're hunting. If you're trying to just hunt or run a run, like run a traffic field, like you want as many as possible, like, to be honest with you, yeah. for what we run in traffic fields, we're running about 30 dozen die bombs and usually, like, five, probably five dozen full bodies with a couple dozen shells and, like, mix of other stuff. So, like, we're running huge spreads. Um, like, in that kind of spot and scenario traffic, if you're just going to be hunting them all day and they're going to be flying all day, coming out of the refuge, like, five dozen would definitely do it. I mean, it's just one of those things that if you're hunting a big feed that, they're used to seeing, it, there's a big difference between hunting like a, a traffic spot like that because they're so broke up in that refuge. Um, Whereas if you're hunting things that are coming to feed, like if you're in a, if you're on the X, five dozen will do it, especially oh, yeah. like working on your hide. Um, The more, the better, I guess. But like if you're hunting like a traffic spot where there's thousands of geese going somewhere to feed, you're going to need a significant amount. But oh. there again, it, it's like. You could definitely pull off singles, doubles, and, like, small packs, but you're not going to give, like, huge, those, huge flaws. Those
3: are my favorite. Those are my favorite. I love what, those Instagram reels. You see of them solos, especially greenheads. Yep. And then greenheads just wings locked, just hovering right in. Oh, there's nothing better. There's That's nothing a,
0: better. And we even talk about it, like, when we're hunting and stuff, is that the fact that. We don't, we like small packs because number one, they work better. Number two, they usually lock up a lot better. And number three, when you get, it's, know gr- what you know, you're talking it's, about. geese don't work. It's, it's cool and all, <laughs> like, don't get me wrong. It's cool and all to get like a massive flock to like land. But most of the time when you're getting in the late season, you're hunting those flocks consistently. And so like you blow up a flock like that, you're educating the whole flock. And so it just makes it harder to hunt them. You know what I mean? Right. So it's a, there again, it's a, (laughs) it's a double-edged sword. It's great, but it sucks. But.
3: Hunting for you. Yeah. Well, that's why it's called hunting and not killing.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, (laughs) you know, shooting limits of greenheads over two dozen decoys. It's, it's a, it's a curse. It's a rough. It's. I,
3: I, I I do. I I don't, not necessarily greenheads, um. I've I've shot my, my fair share of limited greenheads, but um that's all I run. Two dozen decoys well when I hunt water, two dozen floaters in my mojo. Yeah. Um and if a, if my buddy comes, he's got another two dozen. So I mean they're you know, at that point we're hunting four dozen. But if I'm a solo hunt and, and I'll, I'll I'll I don't know. It it's it's all preference. If someone were to ask me what you know, hey man I'm gonna just start out waterfowl hunting. How how I kill ducks? Two dozen. Go buy the cheapest two dozen flamboo decoys that you can buy at Walmart. Thirty bucks a piece. Buy some weights. Make sure you're hidden. Make sure your calls are good. You'll kill ducks.
0: Yes, sir. You just gotta. The problem is you gotta have ducks, and we don't have ducks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, correct. <laughs> correct. Uh, gotta have ducks. Uh, that's, but that's sure. uh, I I was curious like talking talked about back to kind of ducks and stuff is that I'm curious, what are your lakes? Like, are they like around the edges? Is there a lot of like two leaves, like that kind of stuff? Or is it more like, um, like trees or like, what's it, what's it, the, the, the vegetation, like around the lakes and stuff.
3: So every, every lake's a little bit different. Um, you get, so like, the two lakes that I'm going to use, for example, are wall and spring lake. Those are just the ones that I hunt consistently. Um, and then I'll point out a, a, few, a few other ones that are that are different. Um, but for the most part, it's, it's prairie grass up to the end of it. And then it's just cattails um, and then tall grass, which is grass that's grown over the water. Um, so basically, if you were to look out at the lake when it's frozen, you'll see basically brome grass all the way up or switch grass all the way up to the edge of the water and then you'll see a big patch of, of grass in the water and then it'll just be all water from there um and that's for most of the that's for the two lakes that, that i hunt you get on bigger lakes um it's gonna be trees basically the same thing with grass um but i don't i i, I i'll be honest i don't hunt big lakes I I try to stay away from them. Um, I'm, I I guess I got my spots that I like to stick to year after year because I've, I've developed a pattern and I know I'm successful there. Um, but yeah, it's, 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 it's a variety. It depends on where you're at because what we, what we consider a lake could be, you know, three miles long. And then you go to the next lake and it's eight miles long. And then, you go to the next you know lake and it's 24 miles long it's you know you get you get to the bigger ones and it's okay was it a lake or you know what would you consider it you know and and so when you i don't know it it depends depends on where you're at um and where you're hunting because there's flooded timber here and and not a lot of it but you are hunting a, a piece of water with a bunch of trees on it and birds will land in there too not very often do you have that but on a flooded year um like the other three years ago when you know when you guys were getting hit with that flood and it wiped out a bunch of a bunch of places um we got hit with the same one and you know there was there was flooded timber all over the place um but at the same time what you know at that point you should be hunting flooded corn because it's way way fun and but yeah it just
0: depends on where you're at gotcha no i was just curious i i tell you like i i like when i dream of like early season duck hunting and i'm thinking about going out i'm thinking like a photo from phil conkey which lives in south dakota looking at like a cactail with like two leaves around it and just like ducks just like diving in like That's that's my draw for South Dakota, and that's like prime prime desire to experience South Dakota waterfelling. And I think you know Jeremy and I talked about about Mm -hmm. we're we're like we're all gonna apply as a group, and hopefully like we get it. If not, I'm gonna cry. But either way, like that's that's like prime prime experience. I think for South Dakota, when I think about South Dakota waterfowl.
3: Well, and then you you take this into consideration too, because there's another lake that we hunted this year and and we were very, we hunted it. We hunted on opening weekend. We didn't kill a duck on it, but there was ducks everywhere. We were just in the wrong spot. Um, the next weekend we went out, we got ourselves in the right spot and we limited. Well, we were, we were three off from the limit. Um, but you take that into consideration. So like when, when you go into spring, lake, you're walking on brome grass, I mean, you're walking through basically a field, um, to get to, to get to the water. And then once you get to the water, you, you know, you have your, your cattails. I consider them. Um, I don't really know what they're not cattails cause they don't have the cat, the cats on the end of them, or the, the, the tail at the end of them. Um, but at the other lake that we hunted, you had to walk through like tall, tall grass. Um, and the water was up to your waist. So you're walking through this grass. And I mean, it's, it's way over your head. And you have, that's, that's all on the edge, and that's so much fun walking through there and, and hunting that too. So, um, yeah, it's a, it's an experience where I, I just, and I think, you know, if, if you just, get, you know, Nebraska is probably the same thing. Um, especially as you being a resident there, you have so many experiences there because you've been there for so long, um, that you're able to pick those things out where I've been in South Dakota for so long. Like I have different little spots that I'd show you guys where we would kill ducks. You guys would never expect me to kill ducks there. And you know, like a little Creek that's four feet wide. Like if you laid across it, we, if you laid across it, you'd be a bridge and you could just kill honkers and mallards through there.
0: Um, I've always wanted to kill honkers on small water. Mm -hmm. Like I've always seen that. And I'm like, Huh? But it, like, Say, it'd be cool. I, I,
3: have a, I have a spot. I have access to a spot. Um, anytime I want to go out there, I just got to call the guy. I've never hunted it. Um, his son has hunted it a couple of times, and they've absolutely just smacked geese, late greenheads. Um, it's basically a – they have it rigged to where it, late, late season it freezes over, but they have kind of a pump in there. 'Cause they have cattle that run through there. So in late season they'll they'll pump it so it stays open. And it's, it's not really a I shouldn't say pump, it's not like you're pumping water, but it's like a trickle, like a like a an old paddle steamboat type thing, you know, that just kinda goes up and down like it just spins in the water, just make sure that the water keeps rotating. Yeah. So it's it in that area it does stay open, um all not all year, but late season it does freeze up. But yeah, I've never hunted out there. I've had multiple opportunities and I've never taken them because I'm an idiot. But um that's another spot I can show you guys too. I don't know. I love it's I love hunting South Dakota.
0: <laughs> yeah. I, I love I, hunting out too. I that's that's why I want to go that way. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Cause I, you know, being up there like there was several times when we were hunting pheasants, so we did a mix of. So we actually, surprisingly, we hunted pretty close to where you're at. Um, so I, I, you, well, so you might know him actually, maybe or maybe not. So I hunted with Seth. He he runs Splat Attack, that paintball place out in Bridgewater, or Salem area.
3: Yep, that's where my that's where my fiance is from. Is Bridgewater. Well,
0: you might you probably know him though. So Seth. Seth um he runs um guided hunts out of there and a buddy of mine knew him and we kind of went up there for a buddy hunt and i've taken clients up there for a couple years but um no it's just incredible that we'd go pheasant hunting we'd walk around these ponds and here comes this like flock of mallards out of the pond i'm like it took everything (laughs) in my soul to not just pop a green head out of there and i'm like Ethical hunter. Ethical, ethical hunter. hunter, ethical ethical hunter, hunter. <laughs> I will not break the law. I will not break the law. And there was one time, there was like, we're over by his lodge and we're just walking around and, and here comes like, just flock after flock of mallards out of the swamp pond and they just kept getting closer every time they get up and I'm like, <sighs> 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 yeah. It,
3: See, and that's, that's exactly how I feel every morning. Um, so I, I used to sell cars. Um, I moved houses for four years. Doug sold the business. He started moving houses. I started working for, um, Tyler. That's actually how me and Tyler met. Um, I started working for him and then I quit there, started working for the car business at a dealership here in town. Uh, and then the car market took a shit. And so I, I left there and uh, where was I going with this?
0: Shoot, was, I forgot where I was going. Seeing Mallers on ponds on the way to work. Yeah, I, I forgot where I was going. That's all right. <laughs> Shoot, <laughs> but oh
3: yeah, okay, not nine. Now okay, yep, I remember now. Okay, so um, when I left the car business, I took another job here in town. Um, but they had to do like a background check. And the uh, the DMV public records check because it's a, it's it's not a lo- it's not a like a level entry job but it's uh, I mean it's it's pretty low but not like basically the lowest position you know yeah. so that took probably about two weeks to get done and then I actually got one of my wisdom teeth pulled so that was like another two weeks just to get that done and then I was just like well I'll, I'll wait till everything's done. Before I start, yep, that's okay. So during that month, uh, I went and worked out the lodge and helped Doug guide. And so every morning at 10 ten thirty, nine thirty, ten, ten thirty, you know, within that hour, um, here comes the strings of geese landing right on the other side of our cornfield, right on the other side of the road that we have. Like we don't we we have permission to waterfowl on over there, and we could get from and and we could get permission anytime. Um, but it's just, you know, heartbreaking cause it's like, that's my dream, but now I got to go do this and like trying to, trying to guide pheasants, you know, rooster, was that a rooster? Was that a, was that a hen? Well, I don't know. I'm looking at the geese. Sorry. You know, <laughs> And it's like, you gotta stop that. Like, damn it. You know?
0: Yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm going to
3: catch myself doing it again as soon as I, as soon as I say I should stop.
0: So yeah no i hear you there well we probably better wrap it up here we're getting a uh, hour 15 but uh you got any questions left for him jeremy oh i did have one left for you what kind of camera are you thinking about buying
3: uh the canon rebel t7 that's a
0: nice that's a nice like camera body to to really get into photography it's it does well and the big thing with canon i like about canons is that their lenses are a lot cheaper than sony's sony's are good but man they are expensive
3: right and the one that i'm the one it, it comes with a 300 millimeter lens um and when i talked to adam uh grim he told me that you know you at least need like a 500 to be good and so eventually I'll I'll get that. I just, I don't have the kind of money to spend right now um, to get something like that, but eventually it'll, it'll pay for itself. And I'm hoping the camera eventually, you know, photography, when I, funny stories. When I first started DFO, uh, I took a really good picture, really good couple of pictures and posted them on my, on my Facebook. And my first daughter, Praley, my oldest daughter, she was, we were actually in the hospital and she was born. So she was born December 21st or January 21st of 19. Um, so it would probably been like the 22nd, 23rd, 24th. I don't remember exactly what day it was, but I got a call from some lady and I answered it. I was like, hello. And she's like, hi. Yeah. Is this, is this Dakota film outdoors? And I said, yeah, it is. And she goes, okay, uh, cool. Oh, uh, I was just wondering if I could get uh, like a quote on some pictures. And I said, Oh yeah. Like what pictures were you looking at? You know, it, I, I, I didn't really expect someone to want to buy my iPhone pictures, but, but, uh, you know, yeah, let me know. And I'll, I'll see if I can print one off. And she goes, Oh, those were with an iPhone. And I said, yeah. And she goes, Oh, she goes, no, I was seeing if you could do my wedding pictures. And I was like, Oh no, man. i like, I don't, I don't do wedding pictures. Like I'm a, I'm a, I'm a outdoors page. Like I, I take outdoor photography of like pheasants and ducks and, and deer and all that. And she goes, Oh, I'm sorry. My bad. My bad. I guess I'll try somewhere else. And so I gave her, my sister actually had a photography friend that, that did was, was in photography at the time. So I gave her her number. Um, I don't know if they ever connected or not, but that was, uh, one of the funniest things that has ever happened since, since starting DFO. See, that's, a funny, um,
0: that's the funny part is, speaking to that a little bit, that's how actually my wife got into, and I, I help her out with that, but, like, I bought a camera to do wildlife and, you know, hunting photography and that stuff. She started taking photos of family and then ended up, like, now she does a lot of weddings. I think, I think we're up to 12 this year, but I get to help with a few of them, but that's just, it's crazy how, you know, taking that and being able to monetize it, especially in the the wedding side of things is, is it, it's awesome, but
3: right. Right. Well, and I, and I, I, I probably wouldn't get into the wedding side of it, but you know, um, I got a buddy that does a lot of like car photography. So that'd be something I'd probably get into do like a car shoot. Um, and, and other things like that. But I would, I would wedding is a, I'm, I'm planning a wedding right now with my fiance. We're getting married in September of 22. So it's, it's a stressful, stressful task and i I could never imagine being a photographer having to deal with and i give i give your wife props because i cannot deal with having to edit those pictures and have a bride consistently waiting for those pictures you know like those are like pictures that you have to be really good with because those are pictures that she's going to remember for her entire life like those pictures are going to make or break her way yeah you know
0: yeah it's, and so that's it's definitely one of those things that i like she does really well with because she's very organized like dealing with the the the, <laughs> the grad and the broom and so like i mostly just show up and do photos <laughs> so it's perfect for me because i enjoy the actual just the photo experience and like taking photos and like we both have different natural uh, parts to us that we like doing the photography stuff. But, like, it, it really works out for us. But there again, it is it is pretty stressful. I think the biggest part of it is is when uh, it happens almost in every wedding. I'm mean, And I'm not going to say all of them, but, like, in most weddings, they get, like, the bride and groom get behind for whatever reason or somebody doesn't show up or a family member doesn't show up on time. And so, like, it pushes the back the wedding, and so, therefore, it – it puts every time like almost every wedding it, it puts the pressure on the photographer to get their all the photos that the couple want done in a in a less time pre, like time frame than you would like or hope and so then it kind of right. puts the pressure on you and it's like you know if there's a shot between a bride and her dad that you don't get like that's that's a no-no and so like you really got to make sure that that's able to happen and you know or com- communicating with the bride and groom on that kind of stuff, so.
3: Right, right. But, but no, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm, super excited. It's going to be – and I think, you know, the investment for the podcast and, and just being able to put, post pictures on Instagram and Facebook, I think is going to be the best. So that's kind of why. And I've always been into photography, so I thought it's no better time to do it now. I, I want to eventually – not work for someone and work for myself. So I'm just trying to figure out different opportunities to, you know, explore. So I
0: don't know. There you go. We'll see. Jeremy, you have any more questions? I don't
2: think, <clears throat> I, don't think I do.
0: Tyrell.
2: Uh, Nope. That's no, nothing <laughs> for me, man. <laughs> well, I, it's uh, good to listen.
0: Yeah. Well, it's a it's so, yeah. Okay, we'll, no, we'll get you a podcast after this. We got a good one. So if
3: uh, if you guys want to uh, keep up with my camera buying and my decoy buying, uh, you guys can follow at DFO Podcast on Instagram or Dakota Film Outdoors on Facebook.
0: So perfect. Right I'm actually, I think I follow you yeah. already on uh, on Instagram, and then I think so too. Yeah. And then I'm and then like your other one here so
3: whenever you guys are uh whenever you guys get your licenses um come on down we'll 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 smack ducks and have a good time so
2: i guess that's i guess that's a question what what would be a good time of year you recommend coming to south dakota i'm a big mixed mixed species guy but i also like to hit the mallards if i could
3: (laughs) so um i'm gonna i am going to here's usually a little, I'm just going to give you a little insight about how I, how I work. I'll tell you something and it's totally opposite of what I tell you. <laughs> not because I'm not because I not, not because I don't know what I'm talking about. It's just because that's the way the world works. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so. If, if, and this is just because it's probably my favorite time. Um, I'm a, I'm a big mixed bag guy too, but I love my green heads. So I would, if, if you want to, if you want to kill, and I'm not going to guarantee you ducks, but yeah. if you want to have a higher percentage of killing ducks, I'd come in October. Okay. Um, and maybe at the end of October, and maybe the middle of November, because, and I'll explain why. If you come at the end of October, we're going to kill ducks because I know that they're around. You come in late or if you come in the middle of November. There's going to be a lot of bigger ducks around, and there's going to be more plumage birds around, so they're going to have more color to them. Yeah. Um, whereas, it, whereas in October, now again, it all depends too on how cold it is, because I've seen um, full plumage teal in October. I've shot a few of them, but it was really cold in October, and that was two years ago. So, it it depends. But if I were to if I were to tell you Two, at least two times to think about it would be the end of October and if it's you look at the end of October and they're predicting that it's going to be a warm season you know and then a late a, a good winter maybe wait till November mm-hmm. um but yeah it's it's those are two times I'd look at and if you really want to get you know ballsy with it you can come late january or not late january but late december early january um there's definitely places to hunt there too and you can get on birds so it it just depends on on how comfortable you are with not killing birds um so you know it's it's always a challenge but
0: yeah i hear you i think if i was probably gonna go i'd probably end up going and like First or second week of November, because usually a little bit cooler than like you guys usually get into like eh, the twenty, thirties in the night and then fifties and during the day or fifties and sixties. Because I like if I were gonna come down, which I'd love to, but I'd end up going waterfowl hunting in the in the mornings and then I'd probably do a lot of pheasant hunting in the afternoons. So I like, for
3: a great day.
0: I feel like October, you guys still might be a little warm because Nala all likes to (laughs) overheat being a black dog (laughs) and uh it always seems like you guys cool off in that time frame but but yeah uh i think that's that's we'll get wrapped up here i appreciate you coming on uh everybody lists the podcast make sure to jump on to dakota films on uh facebook and give them a lot or give them a like and give them a follow i look forward to your podcast journey and of course we're gonna We'll connect again and uh, I'm sure you'll yeah. be on here again. I know we talked about that yeah. coming on to yours too. So Yeah, we'll have to figure that out. So, so. we'll get it we'll get it worked yeah. out. But uh before I get going here, uh listeners of the Big Red Hunters Podcast, make sure to get on our Facebook group for the Big Red Hunters Podcast. Uh find it on Facebook, post it every week and that way we can connect with you guys and figure out what you guys want for the future. Um and uh, again appreciate you coming on here, Jordan, and uh have a good night, everybody.
3: Thank you.